travel back in time to the 80s, reliving the music. You can't have the Pretender's first album. That's mine. I bought it. You did not. The catchphrases. Did you have a brain tumor for breakfast? And the wannabes. Sometimes I see you dance around the house in my underwear. Doesn't make me Madonna. Never will. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s? Hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears. And Brad in LA. And today we talked to Ultravox frontman and co-founder of Band-Aid and Live Aid. It's our interview with Midge Yore. Stuck in the 80s is partners with the 80s Cruise. Join Steve and I, and hey, Mitch, you're too, in 2023 for a week-long trip back in a time on board the Royal Caribbean Navigator of the Seas. Performers will include Devo, Brett Michaels, Kim Wilde, The Church, Howard Jones, Living Color, Jody Watley, The Smithereens with guest vocalist Marshall Crenshaw, Vixen, Cutting Crew, Autograph, Tone Loke, and more. First-time guests can get, that's right, folks, $200 of cabin credit just by using the promo code STUCKWHENBOOKING. Head on over to www.the80scruise.com for more information. Hey everyone, can we all agree on one thing? There are only three perfect musician mustaches in the 80s. John Oates from Hollow Oates, obviously. Paul Rutherford, you probably don't know the name, but think about it. He's the backing singer and the dancer extraordinaire from Frankie Goes to Hollywood. And, and Midjor from Ultravox with his pencil thin mustache. Well, the stashes are all gone, but the amazing music remains. Hang on. Uh, didn't you have a mustache as well, uh, Stephen, in college? <laughs> I had a very thick and wondrous mustache in the 80s, for most of the 80s, actually, but. Uh, I wouldn't call myself a musician. My uh, prehistoric drumming in my garage band does not make me an iconic musician. I'm not even sure it makes me human. Uh, well, but Atuk and Lar would love a chance to talk to you about it. Man, I, I walked right into the caveman <laughs> reference. I just knew that. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while, folks. I wonder how Atuk's rel- uh, I wonder how Atuk's descendants are doing these days. <laughs> well, they're probably probably zigzagging up a storm, <laughs> or they're occupying seats at the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I'm so excited. Uh, yesterday I had a chance to talk to Midge Yor, and he's touring the U.S. right now with Howard Jones. And this is one of those kind of lineups you really don't want to miss because they're playing venues that are, you know, not a bad seat in the house. Uh, you and I have seen them before together, right? Yeah, back at the Retro Futura tour, if I remember correctly. Uh, thanks you for not making me pronounce the name of the tour. I love tours based on font names. It's my favorite kind of tour. <laughs> Oddly enough, Hojo and Midge are actually also playing the cruise this coming year, 2023. Um, so is China Crisis, by the way. And they were also at that, say the name, Brad. Retro Futura. <laughs> it really kicks the llama's ass. So this is kind of a sneak peek, if you will. Yeah, I guess it is. And frankly, I'll take any reason to talk to Midge. The guy's an icon. His 
his days with Ultravox and Visage, uh, his solo career, his work with Bob Geldof on Live Aid and Band-Aid. Uh, he played with former Sex Pistols bassist uh, Glenn uh, Matlock and the band Rich Kids. If you're, if you're watching Pistol on Hulu right now, it, it talks about the early days of the Sex Pistols and you get to see Glenn. In fact, I just watched the episode where Glenn gets kicked out of the band. Oh, jeez. Um, yeah, I need to watch that. That's on my really, list. It's really good. Uh, the kid, the kid who plays um, Liam Neeson's son in Love Actually, mm-hmm. is Malcolm McLaren. Really? Yeah. Huh, cool. I I will say that for the life of you, when you look at him, you still see like an eleven year old kid. <laughs> so, <laughs> let's go get the shit kicked out of us by love, Dad. Oh. <laughs> So it's a fun interview. As you'll hear, the two of them actually take to the stage together to perform one song as a duet, but we don't nice. want to ruin the surprise on what song it is. Uh, anyway, Midge and I talked about this tour, his upcoming album releases. We go a little deep on the role of music and bringing unity and peace to this uh, wacky world that we're living in right now. Uh, one warning, the audio might sound a little choppy at times. Uh, using Wi-Fi when you're on a tour bus is not the easiest uh, challenge to do. Um, but you'll still get a sense of Midge's uh, really friendly personality and sense of humor. Uh, after the interview, we'll be back with Seggies. But for now, enjoy this conversation with the amazing Midge Ure. Midge, welcome back to the podcast. It's always an honor to talk to you. Well, thank you very much. Uh, it's always a pleasure to uh, chat to you. Uh, you and I spoke about seven years ago before the Retro Futura Tour, which I still have problems pronouncing. Uh, it's it 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 stopped here in orlando and what an amazing show that was that night you and tom bailey howard jones katrina wow yeah it was a good package i mean i i I always i always say that if uh if promoters think about the packages they put together so that it's like-minded artists or from the same era uh, time period that they, it, it kind of works, but some packages you, you see it's got, you know, I don't know, I'm going to make it up now, you know, Metallica and uh, uh, and Barry Manilow. And you think, well, I'm not sure who that's going to appeal to, you know, but but that was a good package. Yeah, I think I think I saw that Hall & Oates was touring with Garbage or Train or something, and I thought that that doesn't work. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I, I, think they, I think it kind of worked. They did something with Tears for Fears, I believe. Oh, tears and for fears, yeah, yeah, and I, I would have thought that's two completely different audiences, but I suppose if you're into you know melodic, well written, well constructed songs, um, you know they both tick that box. So uh, yeah, you know I think I think there's a there's an element of maybe you'll cross over into an audience who wouldn't normally have listened to your stuff, which is kind of what's happening right now, I suppose, with Howard. Yeah. So, I mean, you and Howard are such a great pairing. It's such a natural pairing. Where, where did you first uh, two meet? Do you know what? That's I'm going to have to ask him. Um, <laughs> I, I have no recollection of where we first met. I, it would have been on a TV show or, or backstage somewhere. Um, I, I honestly don't know. We've just seen, we seem to have known each other from birth, but that's not the case. Uh, sort of, we're kind of joined at the hip, you know. Uh, we seem to have been around a lot. I mean, I toured with Howard back in 1989 on his US tour. Uh, and it was great fun then. And I, of course, I did the Retro Futura thing uh, with him. And of course, now uh, it just seems that, that we have a very similar audience, although 
musically was slightly different. I think all the reviews are saying I come from a darker place, which is probably, I mean, I, I think that, take that as probably more miserable songs. But, uh, but, but it, the audience seemed to react incredibly well to both of us. So it is a good pairing. I, I think Howard Jones's songs, it's not that your songs are dark and miserable. It's that his are so, so chirpy and positive. Yeah, I think someone actually reflected it on the light show because Howard's lights are really bright. He's got his own light show and stuff. And I just said to the guy who was doing my lights, keep it really black and white. You know, <laughs> just I just want pools of white lights uh, with some dark areas that I can step into when I'm not doing anything uh, and that was it and, and someone pointed out on the on a on a review saying that my my the look of my set reflected the sound of the songs and the look of Howard's set reflected the sound of his songs yeah so so curious then are you are you two playing any songs together on this tour well Howard uh, a few days ago kind of popped the question uh, the musical question do, do you fancy doing this and it's probably been well documented now but I'm, I'm loath to say what it is we're doing because uh, in case someone in the audience has, doesn't know yet because whatever you do these days it's on by the time you got back to your dressing room it's been <laughs> recorded and posted and people in Japan know what you've just played uh, so uh, so I'd hate to spoil it but yes we do a little something together in the middle of his set which is great because we hadn't planned on doing anything I was coming through your your discography and I was trying to find what would be in my mind the most perfect song for you guys to do together if if you chose one of your songs and and I thought dear god would be the obvious one Give me Quite possibly. Um, I do, Dear God, in the set. Um, uh, I, I wanted to do a, a range of everything that I've done in the past. So a bit of visage. Uh, it's quite Ultravox heavy, uh, this set, because of, I'm using the technology that enables me to do that. Um, and I, I open with Dear God. Uh, but yes, I think you're quite right. That would have been, a, that would have been an interesting duet. Uh, we could have done Sister and Brother, which I did a duet with Kate Bush, but I'm not sure... I'm not sure Howard could have hit Kate's notes. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, everyone's talking about Kate Bush these days. She's uh, she's had that nice little comeback uh, with uh, running up that hill thanks to the TV series Stranger Things. Absolute renaissance, and it's it's so good that uh, that people have discovered it, and obviously it's an an entire new generation who've discovered it. And the great thing about discovering a piece of music like that in a TV show or in a film or a movie or whatever, an advert, is that all the stuff that seem that seems so important to the music industry, you know, how you look and what your hair's like and which trainers you wear and, and you know, how old you are, just simply disappears. You know, people resonate with the storyline and they resonate with the piece of music that enhances that storyline. And that's exactly what's happened to Kate. She hasn't manufactured this. She hasn't worked on this. It's just synchronicity. So it's just fabulous that people are now starting to 
pick up on songs. You know, Kate's a brilliant musician. And if they go back through our catalogue now, now they've discovered running up that hill, they'll find a wealth of material that they probably didn't know existed. And that's fabulous. Has Hollywood come knocking uh, on your door yet about featuring some of your tunes? Yeah, they tend to use Vienna, but usually when people have been massacred, and I don't, I don't know why. <laughs> they, they, they used it on 13 Reasons Why uh, when the lead character was committing suicide. And they used it on uh, the story of Giorgio, uh, well, he's the fashion designer. Armani. Um, yeah. yeah, Giorgio Armani, when he was being shot. It wasn't about that, but they, they seem to think that the, the ominous atmosphere of the song uh, seems to work in those particularly miserable moments. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's interesting. I think Kate's thing gives us all gives us all hope that, that there's an era that has grown up and are now in the positions of power when it comes to putting songs in their you know TV directing uh, videos or the productions or, or whatever. And they're choosing pieces of music that resonated with them when they were young. And they, they are making a massive comeback. And that's that's a wonderful thing. When I'm trying to introduce someone who's not familiar with your work, I always give them two two videos to watch. I, it's usually you doing Vienna at Live Aid. And then there's a, a more recent version where you're on a late night show. And it's just you and your guitar and you're playing Vienna. And I give them those two things. And I'm like, these are two milestones of an amazing artist. So, you know, just listen. The music is weaving. Hunting notes, pizzicato strings, a rhythm is calling. Thank you. I mean, I, I, many people have said I wouldn't play Vienna for many, many years. I wouldn't dream of playing it on an acoustic guitar um, because I didn't think it would translate. Um, but, but I think there are many people say that the, the, the proof of a good song is being able to do it any way at all. You know, just you don't need the production. So if you take the production elements away from it and the song still stands up, you've written something that's probably okay. Uh, and Vienna's one of those songs that's made that transition now. When I go out and do my my acoustic shows, which I, I do a lot here in America, I, I travel around doing little troubadour-type shows, and uh, and I have to choose wisely which songs I think I can I can pull off uh, playing acoustically because they don't all like it. 
and it was one that did. Speaking of acoustic sets, so you're gonna you're gonna be on the 2023 voyage of the 80s cruise, uh, along with Howard, for that matter. And are you <laughs> again because you two are obviously uh, joined at the hip, as you said? Are you gonna be? Will that you think you'll be performing some of that acoustically, or do you think that'll be a full band performance? It's going to be a full band. It's going to be my what, what I term my rock band. I have two bands currently: uh, my electronic band and my rock band, and because. Uh, we're all flying out to come and do the cruise uh, next year, which we're really looking forward to. Uh, it's it's a lot easier uh, when you avoid too much technology. The wonderful thing about technology is it sounds great when you get it working. The really bad thing about it is it doesn't always work. So I'm trying to keep it as simple and straightforward as possible. But they're a great band, and I've been working with these guys for for quite a few years now. So it's going to be a full-blown band uh, set for me, um, which, again, as I say, really looking forward to. It's going to be great fun. Sure. I've, I've been on every one of the 80s cruises, and I, I'm usually there to host the trivia sessions, and I also help the company promote the cruise. And I've been telling them for years now to book you, so I'm, ha- I'm happy it's finally happening. <laughs> so am I. Thank you very much. <laughs> I owe you commission. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Uh, How- Howard played the, the second ever 80s cruise, which was about six years ago. Has he told you anything about it? No, he's a, he's a, he keeps he keeps his carbs close to his chest, this Howard. <laughs> um, he hasn't told me anything bad about it, um, but we do try and wind each other up. No, I don't know much about it at all. I know, uh, I, I think Martin Fry did it last year. He did. Uh, uh, yeah, so uh, when you see the tweets from Martin, uh, he he praises it. He, he he calls things what they are, and if he didn't enjoy it, he would have said. Uh, <laughs> so uh, so I, I I think I've been given the rubber stamp here. I think I've been given the go ahead. It's going to be fun. He uh, I remember seeing his performance on the cruise, and he the last thing he said was "Good night. See you all at breakfast tomorrow." <laughs> <laughs> I suppose that is the case. Yeah, you know. I better think about what I'm going to eat then. I don't don't want to be caught with a big pile of pancakes. <laughs> there's there's going to be so there's about three thousand fans and there's devos on this uh, the 2023 cruise. Uh, the Church, John Parr, Kim Wilde, who I don't think Kim Wilde's even played to a U.S. audience before. Uh, China Crisis is there. They were on the Retro Futura tour. Is there anything in particular you're looking forward to doing that week? I you know you know um, I think I think the main thing for me is uh, you know get get the get the the, the performance you know done as well as possible and uh, and chill uh, it doesn't happen very often you know I, I seem to be still you know uh, at my ripe old age I'm still a bit of a workaholic I, I still really enjoy uh, you know if I'm not touring I'm recording and I'm writing or whatever and the idea that because uh, my wife's coming with me the idea that uh, you know I actually will get a chance to sit down and, and not do anything other than you know look at the sea and and pop off in a couple of you know mexican stop-offs uh i'm just looking forward to that i think you'll love the cruise and everyone's going to certainly love hearing your music again speaking of your music i've recently been rediscovering your work on the orchestrated album i I, i've been listening to that particular version of dancing with tears in my eyes once or twice a day for the past week right now it's over it's over Weeping for the memory of a life gone by Dancing with tears in 
This version of the Ultravox song really resonates with me, so I'm just kind of curious what projects resonate with you these days. Well, I've got three projects uh, on the go. I've just finished one of them. Uh, I've been working for the last couple of years on a, on a follow-up to Fragile, so a regular song-oriented uh, album. And we started dabbling uh, with a follow-up to Orchestrated. Uh, so we've started choosing songs we'd we'd like to do because once you start delving into which songs would translate to you know very cinematic orchestrated versions of of, of your old tunes it's there's no end to it you know i think we figured <laughs> out that just about everything that i've done lends itself to uh, you know com- either bombastic hugeness or or very intimate uh you know sad mournful haunting atmospheric music uh so ty unwin who was the guy who orchestrated and produced the orchestrated album and i have been talking uh, about what the next batch of songs could be and we now have to try and narrow that down to the 10 12 tunes that you could realistically do so we've been working on that but also during lockdown i started indulging myself in my love of instrumental music so every album I've ever released uh, has probably got an instrumental track on it, you know, at least one. Sure. So I've now decided to do an entire instrumental album, which I've just finished. Very haunting, very cinematic. Uh, it's like music for a, a movie that hasn't been written yet. Um, and I'm very pleased with that. That's been a real fun project for me uh so i've just completed that so that one's that one although i I started it last i finished it first i'm curious when you're working on an instrumental album how hard is it to rest the lyricist side of your brain well it's not difficult i have to say i mean the lyrics to me uh the finalizing of the lyrics always comes last um i have the seed of an idea of what i want to write about and i maybe have a line or two that, that that kind of sets up the story but then I have to sit down once I've done the music bed, once I've got the melodies and the counter melodies in place and the atmosphere, the atmosphere is very important. Once I've created that, that kind of dictates where the lyrics are going to go. And then I have to sit down and I have to force myself to sit down and write that because that to me is the hard work. You know, writing music isn't a problem. Writing lyrics that scan, tell the story, that aren't too obvious, that are, you know, uh, enigmatic in places, that takes quite a while to do before you get something that you feel comfortable someone is going to sit and read out of context of the music. Uh, So that takes a while. So the idea of not having to go down that route is probably why I finished the album so quickly. Um, I just couldn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't have to think about that. Oh, it's another six months to sculpt the lyrics and then capture the vocal that you want because people think you just walk in and sing it and you don't. You sing it a thousand times till you get the way that you feel good about singing it. So you try it many different ways till you get the right, the right take. Uh, so I didn't have to do that. So it was quite a pleasure, I have to say, not doing it. I still have to do it with <laughs> with the follow-up to Fragile. Uh, so I've not escaped that particular uh, that particular avenue. Uh, I still have to fulfil 
split. But on the instrumental album, it was so easy to just switch off the lyric side. I totally get that. I can see how it'd be a, a nice, uh, relaxing break. Um, in about another year, you'll be facing down the 40th anniversary of Band-Aid. And I, I'm sure that the interview requests are already coming in. And I, I want to ask you a question that hopefully you haven't been asked a thousand times. And um, I'm just curious. I, the reason I hold Band-Aid and Live Aid so dear and, and so many people my age do <clears throat> is that it united the world in, in a common cause. And these days, when everything seems so divided with such anger and emotion, I think a lot of people in my generation are wondering, you know, can music be the answer again? And what would it take to, to bring the healing and unity back that Band-Aid and Live Aid gave us? And is that even music's responsibility anymore? I'm not sure it was music's responsibility in the first place, but music is a, is a great healer. Uh, you don't have to understand what the lyrics are saying. Uh, it can be in a different language, but you get the feel, you get the sensation of what's being said and what's being conveyed. Um, I think the world is a very different place. Uh, music doesn't seem to be as important, and uh, I'm bound to be pilloried for that, but it's probably true. Back in the 80s, uh, you know, we... We consumed music. We saved up and we bought music. And we, we treated it with reverence. And now you can just pick whatever songs, albums, whatever, anything from the last decade or 10 decades uh, that anything has been recorded is freely available. And I mean freely available. Um, and that's had a massive impact on the industry. So whether music would be the connector the way it was back in 1985 or not, or 84 and 85. I don't know. The reasons for doing something again are, you know, a multitude of reasons that you could do things. You know, there are many, many causes that are around now that weren't around in 85. And it's odd because I kind of think the tool that has emerged since then, you know, the, the smartphone, the internet, uh, you know, everyone having a computer has divided us rather than bring us together. Uh, there's more division in the planet now than there ever has. Um, and because everyone has a box office, people type things that they would never dream of saying to someone else. So they feel safe in, in their, you know, accusations or the bigotry or the racism or the sexism or whatever it happens to be. And I'm just not sure how we how we pull that back you know the 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 genie's out the bottle and it's something we might have to live with uh but it's something that really has divided us and maybe music's maybe music is the answer uh and i i would love to think there could be you know a, a good well you know heartfelt follow-up to live aid and live eight um and that, as i say that you know there are many concerts out there that that do try and pull the world together, uh, try and help with hunger, uh, try and help with homelessness, uh, not just in other countries now, but in our own countries. You know, I'm sitting here in Denver, and we've just driven in, and as I said, uh, in the city streets, I'm seeing tents, rows of tents, village tents, people living out in the streets, and that that's everywhere. So, um, so yeah, the, the world does need a fix, but I'm just not quite sure how we do that. Yeah, I'm not either. 
Hey, Midge, thanks for your time. Uh, best of luck on this tour. I can't wait to see you. Uh, I think when you, 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 I think the tour kind of wraps up or comes to a close in Florida. Uh, and can't wait to, to see you again on the uh, 80s cruise next year. Uh, it's going to be fun, both, uh, both the, the end of this tour and the cruise next year. There he is, Majeur. Such a fun chat. Mm. I just I love how he talks about the role of music, both now and in the eighties. There's a lot to there's a lot to go through. If you're looking to catch them on tour, you can find all the dates at Midge's official website. It's www.midgeur.co.uk. You know what else you can find on this show, Spearsy? Oh, the the <laughs> Hey, it's time for Stuck in the Arcade. Uh, we'll play a snippet of a <laughs> arcade game that only Brad played in the 80s. And if you get it right, as only two people did this week, you're entered into a drawing to win a postal-friendly bottle opener, only if <laughs> you live in the uh, probably the adjoined uh, United States of America. So I'm just saying uh, we only have one winner then. <laughs> oh, 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 you know... We've talked about this the last time. Maybe we didn't talk about it on the show. I think it's time to retire this, Seggy. Oh, really? Yeah, I really do. Um, I- I'm going to need a big letter campaign to to talk me out of that <laughs> position. So all what? you stuck in the arcade fans, <laughs> look, look, I love an arcade as much as the next guy. But this is just, it's too, we're getting into too many corner cases here. And I don't mind every now and then we pick a tough song for name that 80s tune or a movie that only steve remembers something like that but but you know to quote you know to quote uh, jack sparrow you have heard of me but this is all stuff like we're getting into like you know we, we used galaga we've gone through all the pac-mans we did centipede there's just not much left for us here oh, don't say centipede the uh the wife and i we've uh, we're still unpacking all our stuff from new york okay and we came across the karaoke machine the other night and you sang the centipede song she's no she, well there is a centipede song from in the 80s by one of the jackson family sisters the lesser known not janet latoya <laughs> I, I, I seriously the only thing i remember about it and i feel bad about this i should know her name but Susie the only jackson. Thing, <laughs> it's not larry jackson i know that is <laughs> so the wife saying centipede and it has been stuck in my head like a tumor for a week now. Huh. I, I woke up this morning singing it, and I, it's 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 a fine song. Don't get me wrong, but man, don't ever say the c word around me again. That's all I'm saying. That's the c word to me. Centipede. The c word. Okay. <laughs> anyway, if you want to keep the seggy, as Brad suggested, uh, start your massive publicity campaign to <laughs> right now. I think it'll take five letters for us to continue it, but. But for each letter, you better suggest a, a damn arcade sound as well, because we're out of them. Are you ready? Well, I mean, there, we can go deep and deep and deep, but it just becomes an exercise in, hey, do you remember this game? No, I do not. Okay, <laughs> goodbye, goodbye. <laughs> anyway, let's Anyway, play. here's what we had last time, Steve.
Yep, that's Rampage. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> Who remembers Rampage? I, I don't. No, uh, apparently nobody. So the reason I liked the game Rampage, actually I did like to play this, is it reminded me of a game that we used to have on the TRS-80 called Crush, Crumble, and Chomp. Now that sounds like something I'd like to play. Yeah. So in Crush, Crumble, and Chomp, you're a, you basically are the the antagonist in a monster movie. So you design a monster and then you, you know, wreak havoc over some, you know, the metro the metropolitan area of your choice, whether that be Tokyo or New York or whatever. It was pretty fun. I mean, granted, the you know, if I went back and played it now, I'm like, really? That's those are graphics? Hell, I, I still love playing Moonlander, so who am I to to cr- criticize? At least that looks like a Moonlander though. I mean <laughs> Right up to the point where it explodes and falls <laughs> apart in pieces. A bunch of sticks, which is, you know, yeah. we're used to that. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't even think like you say crush, crumble, and crunch. Crush, crumble, and chomp. Chomp. That should be like, that should be an autobiography title for me. Mm, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. I'll ghostwrite it. Okay. Uh, name the winners. The winners this week include, and I'm sorry if I mispronounce this, Dragon Nisik from Gothenburg, Sweden. And this one I think I'll probably get Chad and Callie. Yeah, I spun the wheel. (laughs) Chad and Callie. Hey, sorry, Dragon. Uh, International postage. It's just it's I I can't figure it out. I'm not smart enough. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, pay attention. Here's this week's um, yet to be determined. No, we're not doing one. Oh, we're not going to do it. I'm not doing. No, I refuse. Okay. I want 10 letters from 10 (laughs) different people. Preferably people I've heard from before, not like, hi, my name is Listener 2. Please save the Seggy. Hi, my name is Listener 3. Please save the Seggy. Yeah. Seriously, though, with every with every beg that we continue, you have to actually submit an idea for a, for a arcade. That we song. haven't used. That we haven't oh. used. Yeah. I don't pretty much put the end of the letter writing campaign. <laughs> you, mean, you mean we actually have to do work? Yeah. Uh, isn't this our time, Mr. Hand? Uh, let's move on. Hey, it's time for Please, Please Tell Me Now. We haven't done this in a while, and I, I, I'm very thankful to uh, Don Hammock in Biloxi, Mississippi, one of our patrons, for s- suggesting this, because I think this is an interesting question. Uh, why don't you go ahead and read it, Brad? Don writes, should Gross Point Blank be considered an 80s movie? It's about a 10-year high school reunion held in the 1990s, and it's a favorite of mine. John Cusack really is one of us, being just a year older than you two and me from the class of 1985. I really love all the music in the movie, and you can find playlists of all the tunes on Apple and Spotify. Huh. So is Gross Point Blank, should it be considered an 80s movie? Yeah. What do you think? (sighs) Literally nothing in the movie is set in the 80s. Nothing. I mean, there's no flashback scenes that I can remember. Um, So it's unlike The Wedding Singer or American Psycho or even Hot Tub Time Machine. Yeah. Those you can make a better argument that that's sort of an 80s movie. Also, all you're really saying here is that it's about people who grew up in the 80s and we play a lot of 80s music. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, I, and I get the soundtrack. I understand that. But then again, the soundtrack to Marie Antoinette from 2006 has a lot of 80s stuff. Nobody would move that into the 80s perhaps that's false equivalence but i don't care it's a podcast i can say whatever i want um i i'm i'm willing to entertain it on the list but i think that movies like 
the hunt for red october i would grandfather in closer just because that feels more 80s to me being in my mind the last of the great 80s cold war movies yeah Um, it's it's an 80s soundtrack yeah but i don't think that's enough i I, it doesn't take any it doesn't take anything away from the movie that it's no i still really like the movie i just am not quite willing to plunk it into the truth be told i hate i did not like the movie when it first came out i don't think that that uh john cusack and mini driver have any romantic chemistry whatsoever so and that's kind of like one of the things for me it's like you you, you got to believe that these two people you like each other and yeah i just don't get that from that movie i, I really like the dan Aykroyd character in yes this. me too <laughs> i mean that really that really takes it to a new place yeah no it's 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 a great movie is it an 80s movie no but doesn't take anything away from it so. i mean are you gonna put romy and michelle's high school reunion in there too yeah, see, there you go. Well, actually, that has flashback scenes. I would say that's more of an 80s movie. That's more. Yeah, that, that was the point I was getting to. Yes, yeah. I guess. I'm sorry. I'm a little slow on the uptake today. I that's just okay. It's just saying pretty early. It's pretty early. <laughs> uh, anyway, if you have a question, obviously, we love answering them. Send them to podcast.sits.com. Put PPTM in the subject line. <clears throat> and and uh, we'll get around to it. Yeah. We're going to have time in the seggies with that arcade thing out of here all the time in the world my friends we have all the time in the world we'll be right back after this commercial break i used to be frightened by all the wine coolers i saw i was scared i wouldn't pick the right one luckily i did it was the most refreshing one of them all sun country wine cooler you see sun country is a blend of premium white wine and real fruit juice that's what gives it its great taste Sun Country, say, give me the real juice cooler. If you don't say Sun Country, you'd better sleep with your lights on. <laughs> hey, we're back. We've got a few minutes left. Uh, two new patrons to uh, to thank today. Uh, Donnie Gettle, Rhymes with Metal, and uh, Rob Borek. Nice. I, spelled that. I hope I said that right. I know I spelled it right, but that doesn't mean anything. We do appreciate it. Whether we pronounce it properly, we still appreciate it just yeah. the same. Just am- among the benefits, you get the Zoom happy hour invites every month you there's a uh, patron only blog that brad and i contribute to where now we've we've started doing patron only podcasts so yeah there's there's episodes there or there's an episode we're gonna hopefully record Man, another one soon got a couple great suggestions for what to name that too yeah i like members only i do too i think that's what we should go with yeah so anyway that's that's there for you and, and like i said i think it, I think the minimum donation is $2 a month. So it's not, it's not much. Anyway, if you're looking to catch Howard Jones and Midge, you're on tour, find all the dates again at Midge's official website, www.midgeur.co.uk. Does he provide shaving tips there? Cause I really <laughs> want to know how to make that mustache work. He doesn't have it anymore. He has, I don't think he's, I think he's shaved his head completely, but amazing guy, a fantastic performer. You haven't, you haven't lived until you've seen him do uh, Vienna live. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. Uh, and in the meantime, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. In the meantime, Brad and I remain here, hopelessly stuck in the eighties.
Stuck in the 80s is now on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash stuck in the 80s podcast. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.